welcome to the Small Business Show. We are created a podcast to have candid and in-depth conversations with entrepreneur and professional we find fascinating. Learn the tips and tricks for marketing, running, and growing a small business. The Small Business Show is the official podcast of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Small Business Show. My name is Swire Ho, your host for the show. My guest today is James Kletsky from Give Learn. James is a former professional tennis player who achieved a ranking of 145 in the world. He represented Ireland in the Davis Club for nine years and holds his Guinness World Record for the longest double match, having played for 60 hours. That's crazy. James is also <laughs> a private tennis coach to Sir Richard Branson. In addition to his tennis career, James is the founder of Give Learn, a learning platform that helps small and medium-sized enterprises retain their best employees. Give Learns offer both live and on-demand virtual classes that focus on soft skill training. How are you doing, James? Great, Swire. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I love to have you on. You know, there's so many topics that we could talk about. You know, but my first question, since you have worked with the man himself, what is the biggest takeaway that you have? You know, working with Sir Richard Branson. Yeah, really, really good question. Uh, I, I've been lucky enough to, I think, first meet Richard in 2015, uh, which is when I first went out to his island uh, on Necker. Uh, for me, uh, you know, I've coached him one-to-one. I've been there for a number of years. And, and uh, the biggest thing really that stands out for me is really his kind of quest for learning. So he's always asking a lot of questions. He always is asking like general stuff around, you know, Ireland, the UK. Um, he's always just very curious on, on what's happening. So that's number one. And then number two is the well-being piece. So he's just so physically active. Uh, he's just incredibly, you know, I went, I did 30 days there a couple of years ago. He played tennis 28 days, twice a day. So wow. it just gives you an indication of how, how kind of, focused on his fitness and how he knows that if he's physically active he's more productive and and all those types of things so those are the two things that really stand out one is ask lots of questions always curious about about me and and different things that are going on globally and then secondly is is that kind of that well-being piece that's really super important well i heard from and i also read that he is a good networker he can talk to basically anyone can you can you touch on that you know how how do you observe him is he really a people person you know how does he interact with people around him yeah it's, it's funny because most people want to speak to him as a, you know what i mean as in everyone kind of wants to wants to get to him i think in terms of i think networking is an interesting is an interesting topic right i mean i think we if we historically think of the networking person, we think of someone who's kind of handing out business cards at a party, right? But I think there's a lot of different ways to, to be a good networker. And, and, you know, again, I think it's back to that previous point that Richard, in terms of networking, is that he's very curious. So he asks lots of questions. He's always he's always learning. Uh, so for me, that's the biggest thing in terms of with, with him, with, with networking, um, is just being curious. And, and if you look at all the different businesses and all the different industries, you know, he he's not an expert on everything, but he brings great people and he's great at delegating and so on. So um, in terms of network, I think that's something that really stands out uh, of how he's been so successful. 
and and I think secondly to that, I think it's believing in people. Believe, and I think that's what he's very good. At. I think that's the secret sauce is that he's he's very trusting of people, um, and 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 very um, you know positive about people and complimentary and so on. Yeah, one thing I learned in networking that really changed, you know, my point of view for for that is, you know, you have to ask questions about people. You don't、mm. talk about yourself because, like, no one really care about you. <laughs> they they care about themselves. If you get people to open up and ask them the right question, one right question, you can have people talk for like thirty minutes. I I have that before. I just ask the right question, and then you know my you know my networking partner talk for thirty minutes, and at the end, what they will do is. You know, this person really li- listen, right? They let me talk about my myself, and you know that's how you build relationship. It's not about giving them your business card and tell them what you do. It's about asking right question to ask them talk about themselves, and then you know see how that goes. You know, in your networking events. Yeah, and I think for me, it's around how can you add value to the other person. So how, how can I how can I help you, right? And there's no type of agenda there, but it's actually. It's almost believing in the universe that that things come back around and so on.、Um, and then the second piece to fo- piece to follow on to your first piece, Suarez, is, is as I'm stand as I'm sitting here speaking about myself. I think people love speaking about themselves. So you know, we we, we meet people and we can kind of walk away and go, "She's he or she is a just a really good listener, right?" And there's there's actually a really、uh, A really powerful thing. I think it's a it's it's a really powerful thing to be a good listener and 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 to to kind of listen. Not we we tend to listen to speak next, but actually not listen to speak next. Actually listen to the person around what they're saying and 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 how can we help them and support them and so on. Yeah, I think doing the small business show definitely helps, right? You know, people think I'm listening, I'm follow up with question because you know I talk a lot, right? If you let me talk, I talk a lot. So by listening to you, then I'm not talking, then I'm really listening. So there's truth to that. Well, I, I think actually on, on an on an interesting piece in terms of my so so through Richard, I, I was very lucky to meet a guy called Kurt Long, who's a who's a rocket scientist and entrepreneur. Um, he's successfully scaled a number of businesses,、um, and he would still be a mentor of of mine. And he's actually given some sessions on on the Give Learn platform in terms of soft skill development. And I initially、uh, approached him and and I said, Kurt, I'd love to I'd love to give you I'd love you to give a class on leadership. And his answer to me was, you know, a lot has been said on leadership. There's a lot of books and there's a lot of different things you can read and and, and so on about leadership. But he said the most important thing in his business career was was listening, and、um, so he gave a, a a class on give learn on he called it the greatest business asset you need to develop, and the topic was was listening. So、uh, I do think it's something that we probably don't talk enough about as as you know business owners, and and obviously myself as a business owner, we're always kind of you know we're going in to sell something or, or and so on, and actually. You know, actually listening to the customer and listening to the client and so on, and actually what can we what can we learn from them and how can we serve them better? Yeah, let's talk about you a little bit. I I, I really would love to dive deeper, right? You have a you you hold a Guinness World Record. Does it still stand for、uh, the longest double match in tennis? So I I actually found out that it was actually broken、uh, about I think about six or seven months ago. So、really? we held it for for a couple of years. Yeah, so. We we、uh, yeah we broke just for your audience we broke the record for the longest tennis doubles match so we played for sixty hours 
continuous tennis. Do you do you breast or do you have to like how does it work? You you have a five minute break per hour is the wow. way it works. So so uh, it was it was yeah when the, when someone when the uh, I think it was a, a a group in Australia broke the record. The guys who I who I broke the uh, were record with text into our group and said should we should we get the band back together question mark and i think there was a consensus where we said ah, we might give this one a miss for now so so talk, tell me more about that you know you you mentioned you know right there's a teamwork you obviously have a teammate do you kind of know what each other would do when you go on or how do you rely on your teammate because obviously you know you have to cover Um, you know, your partner at some point because, you know, you both might get really tired or, you know, just don't want to play anymore, right? Yeah, it's funny, you know, before I did this uh, world record, I think, you know, there's a lot that's said around teams and the importance of teams and so on. But actually, when I was in this, when I was in this attempt uh, with the the other guys, I think there's a couple of things that really stand out. And, and the first thing is the actual wider team. So the core team is the four players on the court, but then the actual wider team of the people that are encouraging you on the side, that are talking to you, that are, um, you know, there with, with food and so on and clapping and different things like that. Right. So that's the, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, is, is the core team on, on the court. And I think, you know, from my professional career, I, I played a lot of doubles. Um, and then also in terms of that question around the importance of of the team piece, I think it's very it's it's unlikely where the four of us were feeling amazing at the same time, right? So at the start, I think everyone starts off obviously feeling fine, but then over time, um, everyone has their own peaks and troughs, right? So uh, we all go through we all go through a couple of hours or you know moment in time where we're where we're struggling, and then that's the that's the part where the rest of the team can kind of encourage you and you, you know, get you back up to a hundred percent. And, and likewise with other people on the team. And I think that fits quite well in terms of business, right? If you're a small team, how not every part of the business is, is um, going gangbusters and going really well. And I think it's important for the, for the team to encourage each other and keep pushing each other and, 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 and so on. So I think that's, that's one thing. And then the second piece, the second piece that I think is is really interesting is is the week before we did the the world record attempt, uh, a guy called Jerry Duffy um, gave us a talk on performance, and he had ran forty marathons in forty days. And what he said was, "Look, when when Sunday comes and the the sun will come up on Sunday morning, the question is whether you guys will still be on the court." And that was something that actually stayed with me during the during the uh, during the record attempt. That we just kind of you just kind of have to stick with it and, and and stay with it. And again, I think business wise, I think that's really important, right? Perseverance. You're almost at the top of the mountain, or you're almost there. You just got to keep keep going. The sun will come up. Will you will you be on the court? Will you still be competing? So, I think there was a lot of lessons that really came from it. Yeah, I, I really like that and. I, I especially like that from the last time we talked, right, uh, and to now, the the market seems to change a little bit, you know, especially want to now ask you for something that, you know, you do at, at Live Learn, you know, retaining your best talent. 
the last time we talked, I remember that you know there are companies still trying to figure out ways to retain the best talent. But if you turn on the news, and especially now the commentators on on business news network are saying, you know, it's turning the tide right now. You know, Facebook is firing a lot of their, letting go a lot of their employees. I know Google is cutting back off, you know, the amenities that they they give to their employees. So from your point of view. What does it mean now for retaining your best talent? Because it looks like the big mega company are laying off a lot of people. So how does the dynamic work from people you interact with right now? Yeah, I, I think from from my standpoint, it's there's there's a lot of talk around employee engagement still around this term, which has came out of the states called quiet quitting, where people are, you know, just doing the bare minimum in their job. And how do you how do you inspire people to to go above and beyond? Um, and a lot of research around um, how employees, you know, they want to feel valued by the company. Um, and I think at at Give Learn, um, you know, we do help you retain your your best people, but also engage those those employees. Um, and and we do that via um, soft skill development. So things that are, you know, the things that are really important in. in I suppose in terms of progressing through your career and and excelling and 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 being a high performer. So, you know, we look at things like like listening with Kurt. We've had um, Sharisa Bandla, who's an astronaut. Uh, we've had um, Jerry Duffy. Uh, we've had lots of and different classes. Um, so I think really trying to inspire people in terms of their current roles to really engage the the, the, the talent. Um, and then also what we do is we we link learning to doing good in the world. So we reward uh, we reward users. So when they attend live classes, they earn points and they can use those points to donate to different social causes. So for me, my vision has always been to to link learning to doing good in the world. So learning doesn't stop. Uh, I think it, it, if anything, you know, we really have to invest more in it. I've been using ChatGPT. I don't know if you've been using that, but yeah. uh, so, so I think those, you know, I think those softer skills are, are the things that are becoming more and more important, right, in terms of how you excel in your career and, and, and upskilling your employees and, and, and helping to retain those best people within the company. Do you think that's something that you're seeing in, in lacking in small to medium sized business, because I'm sure that when you go to like a big company, they have the process, you know, they have the procedure, right? You have to go through things like that. I think for small business, they really need the person to come on to start running right away. They might not have the luxury to train you for like three months, for example, you know, on your, on the skill set, you know, you, you just have to do that. Do you think that's why small and medium sized businesses are losing talent versus, you know, like a bigger company? Yeah, I think, so we actually had an event, an in-person event uh, with GiveLearn recently, and we had a, a head of HR at a medium-sized company. And she actually talked about the onboarding piece being incredibly important. So, you know, and that includes obviously the swag and the, and the uh, materials and so on that you get. But also there needs to be some kind of onboarding into the company because, Yes, in small and medium-sized companies, it's it's a little bit harder to do, but I think it's important to just invest that little bit of time in terms of helping someone uh, to to, to uh, make sure that they're okay in terms of they know what their their deliverables are and all those types of things. So I think that's one thing. The second thing for me in terms of speaking to small and medium-sized companies is when you speak to large companies like the Googles and so on, 
they have a lot of learning systems. They have a lot of content that they use and so on for, for their employees on, on mass. Whereas a lot of the smaller and medium sized companies, they might have a HR person, but that HR person is, you know, concerned with, with people issues. They might not necessarily have a learning, uh, a learning and development, um, dedicated person. Um, and I think that's where give learn comes in is, is, we really support companies that when someone new comes into the company or for existing employees that we have a full calendar of, of sessions all around soft skill development. And these, these classes are running in the background of, of, um, you know, of your company essentially. So you don't need to worry about, uh, about what's happening there. So I think we really help support small and medium sized companies around that. Well, let's let's talk more on employees onboarding. I think it is a very important piece. So, what else do you suggest? You know, people have in their onboarding process because you know, if I could think of, and most people will think of it this way: when you go into that, you know, you talk to the HR department, right? You go through the employee's handbook. You, uh, depending on the company, you probably go through like a sexual harassment video, and you know, tell you things that are not to do, right? And then you are sent to the workplace and then you work, you know. Mm. Are there, do you think there are more that you advise people to do to get the employees engaged? Because the reason I, I ask this question is, you know, when I see the younger generation, especially my son is going to college next year, and then I could see that when he goes to a job, he does not want to sit through all those meetings. Like he would rather mm. do something else than to sit through those meetings. So how would you advise more medium-sized business to add to the onboard, uh, onboarding process to engage this, you know, younger in, individuals. Yeah, to, uh, again, you, you asked some great questions, Ryan. So I, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a really interesting conversation and really interesting debate around, you know, future of work and how work has changed, right, and how learning has changed and how we consume learning. And I think that kind of, I think the classroom piece of of sitting through a, a, you know, a boring lecture of some kind of, of, um, you know, taking in the information and almost like a tick the box exercise. I think that really has to evolve and change. Right. So I think that your piece around someone kind of going through this training and sitting there and listening to, to, and the, you know, the handbook and all that sort of stuff, I think it has to be much more collaborative. So I, I think you have to create a culture where, you know, feedback is valued and, and, and employees can give that feedback and obviously things will evolve and, and, and change uh, based on that feedback. So for me, uh, and also I should say as well as obviously a lot more people are working hybrid, right? So they're not mm-hmm. actually physically in the office and that creates its own challenges that someone starts in a company and they're mostly working hybrid. They can't ask the person at the desk next to them, you know, they can't go for lunch and uh, with that person and kind of, you know, show a bit of vulnerability and so on so i think companies have to be creative around how they actually how they actually um you know onboard people or engage their their current uh their current employees and i think there's things you can do you know whether it's you know offsites for for groups or bringing groups together and, and more a kind of a collaborative discussion or a collaborative learning and i think at give learn our classes are all very collaborative in terms of the the sessions that it's not just a lecture type session it's it's users actually being able to engage with presenter and other users and so on so i think those types of things and being creative around it um i also secondly and again you know it, it depends on companies budgets and all those types of things but 
one of the things that, that I found really helpful for me, so when I was on the Irish Davis Cup team, uh, we had a manager of the team, but then we also had an executive coach slash um, so performance coach slash sports psychologist. Um, and what I found really helpful with that is that I had a person that I could go to, you know, and I wasn't going to them every week, but I could actually call him up and say, look, I'm nervous about this match at the weekend or, or I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. I, I, I didn't feel, I felt that if I went to the coach or manager that I could be dropped from the team. So I didn't really want to do that. But actually having a safe space to share with someone um, and I know cer- certain companies have started to bring in and utilize more kind of performance coaches as well. Um, and I think it's, it, it, I think that could be an opportunity for, for companies too. So I think it's being creative. I think it's thinking outside the box. I think it's, it's, um, and, and it's really trying to support people. And, and, and I think lastly, I just say, I think, you know, historically we talked about this thing called work-life balance, whereas now I think it's really around work-life integration, right? It's all it's all integrated work and life, and I think we really need to support people around around that. Yeah, like work-life balance is definitely uh, you know something that I, I value a lot about. Uh, what do you think about having a clear mission statement? Because for people, especially in small, medium sized business, they are not as clear as a mission than versus a, a bigger company. And I, I noticed that a lot of the younger generation will actually take less money to work for something that they really passionate or support about. But I think in the flip side for uh, smaller businesses, they are afraid that if I stand for a certain mission, we might lose out on some of the workforce. So how would you advise, you know, company, you know, think about their, their mission and you know, what they stand for? Yeah, I think I I think for a smaller business, I think sometimes the business can obviously the business can pivot a lot quicker in terms of market conditions and so on. So, you know, it can go in different directions, whereas a larger business obviously can't do that. So there is obviously advantages to the smaller business. I think the second piece you talked about younger people wanting to to work for for companies that that um are you know maybe taking less salary but working for companies that make a difference. Mm-hmm. I think that's that. I think the research, the research is backing that up. I saw recent U- figures in the UK, and it was really coming through that younger professionals uh, want to work for companies that are that are having a positive uh, influence on the world. I think on the mission piece, I think a company that is actually at its core is 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 creating a product that's that's doing good in the world. I think is is uh, is really important. Thirdly, on the mission piece. I mean, I personally would encourage companies as as best they can to to create a mission statement. Uh, I think it will I think it will really help companies and and individuals make decisions. I think the mission statement and the values are really really important that you make decisions as a leader based on those on those on those things. Um, if I could just share a, a small story, so a friend of mine uh, who a guy called Freddie Nielsen. He, he won Wimbledon in 2012 in, in men's doubles. Uh, Freddie, he had a wild card into the event, so he, he had never won a match at that level, and he ended up winning Wimbledon, which is pretty incredible. So, But Freddie's a really philosophical guy, and, and he talked to me around, he worked with a sports psychologist, and he actually he wrote a mission statement for his tennis. Wow. So he had, I am Freddie Nielsen, uh, this is the way I play tennis. I'm I'm aggressive in these situations. I do this, this, and this. And he said every every time after the match, 
if he won or lost, he'd sit down and he'd read that mission and he'd make sure that he stayed true to that mission. And he said it took the pressure off him in some ways. So I think for businesses, I think a mission statement is something it can evolve and change with your people. But I think having that kind of that mission, I think it, it can help uh, can help you excel and, and, and really help you drive the company forward. Yeah, that that's a lot of a great answer there, and especially for you know making a difference in the world, right? I I think I'm making a difference in the world, but <laughs> it's how I think it's it's telling people that what you stand for, and I think you know going back to the onboarding experience, are you telling people what you're trying to do in the onboarding system? Maybe you are trying to do good, but if no one knows about it within your company, then you're not doing a really good job. So, like, would you suggest company? Also develop a piece, you know, in the onboarding process to really, besides on all the job skills, right, that, that are required to tell the uh, new, new hire more about why, why the company is there and what they're really trying to improve their industries. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. I think, I think the danger is, is that we kind of presume that people know we, we, we don't know what people don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think we can make presumptions around around people. And, and I think the other side of it is that that individual who's coming into the company might be apprehensive about asking a stupid question around, around the company, right? So like, you know, I think bigger businesses and they spend a lot more time and money in terms of having, you know, painting the wall a certain color and having certain pictures and things on the wall and all that sort of stuff. And we mightn't have really got around to it in terms of a, in a smaller company. You know, I think the idea of getting people together, you know, once a quarter or or depending on budgets, once a year, once every six months, um, or even things like if it's a completely remote company that you have a, a, a call once a month where it's, it's not work related, but it's more around kind of the mission and the, and, and the vision and the company and so on. Um, but it's much more at a, at a at high level. I think things like, you know, the biggest thing is that for people is, is, and the research kind of backs this up, is that people want to feel part of something, right? They want to feel part of, 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 a, of a vision. They want to feel part of the something they're creating, that they're, they're involved in, that they're all kind of moving together. Um, and if I can, you know, one story from, from Richard actually was, um, I remember uh, there was an air hostess who, who, now she was an older lady and her daughter was now working on, on Necker and, she actually shared the story with me saying that she was one of the first air hostesses and she said that uh, Virgin didn't really pay that well at the time. And, and uh, she said that Richard would get on the plane. He'd have his notebook in his back pocket. He would say to the air hostess or to her, he would say, um, uh, you know, what can we do better? How can we make, how can we make Virgin better? And so on that you felt part of like this, airline that was going up against the big boys or 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 um whatever way you look at so i think i think that's the i think people want to feel part of something and it's again it's thinking outside the box and how can you make them feel feel part of that yeah i like that you know i think the the teamwork part you know as you probably you know are, are, are a big proponent of it is 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 truly matters you know people think about you know all those t-shirts all those you know swag they, they call it doesn't matter but mm. it think about if you think yourself belongs to a team then you will take one for the team. Normally, I would mm-hmm. just walk away, but because I'm participating, I'm doing something bigger with the team. So now, you know, like in the tennis uh, example, you would die for a ball that your teammates have mm-hmm. might have missed, 
right? Mm-hmm. It, it normally, you know, I'll just walk away and, you know, that's it. That's it for, for, the, for the play. So what is the way a small business and medium business can think everyone to be a team? You know, you mentioned the virtual experience. Now we all scatter uh, all around the world, really. And then if you're good at what you do, even on LinkedIn, there's a lot of headhunters going after you if you're somewhat good at what you do. So how can really a leader think of creative ways that makes people think as a team? You could play games. You could do, you know, uh, you know, corporate products or you can do like, you know, sessions that James hosts at uh, Lift Learn. So what are some of the practical ways that you could advise small and medium sized business nowadays to create a better teamwork for the company? Yeah, I think it's, it, I, I think the question, the question is fascinating in two parts. One is, I think, you know, in a pre-COVID world, what, what a team was and how everyone was kind of working together, maybe in an office and so on. Um, secondly, I think in this kind of new world where, you know, it, it really depends on the companies and their working practices and so on. Uh, I think in terms of, I think in, in terms of high performance, I, I think the fir- the first and the most crucial part of it is actually setting the, you know, do you want if you call it the rules for engagement or the standards of the team. So actually setting out what are the standards, what what are we known for. So when we're when we're not in the room, what do people say about us, right? So so uh, that for me is 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 really crucial in terms of setting that ethos of the team, and and how we actually how we are known essentially. Um, and then the, the the thing I think is really important is 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 the concept of of raising your standards, right? So uh, your standard. So my, you know, I was the one of the best tennis players in Ireland on the Irish team or whatever, and I thought I was training really hard. And then I went to India to train with some of the best players in the world, and I thought, wow, they're not they're not necessarily better tennis players than me. They they have the same kind of shots, but actually the standard of their training of of you know how they show up on a daily basis um and also things like you know in it in a, in a training camp so if i use two examples i did a training camp in ireland the player who i was playing with he didn't run for a ball i, I didn't say anything i thought oh you know maybe he's he's having a bad day this that i went to the training camp in india and it was sanya mirza who's the number one female doubles player in the world Mahesh Bhupati, Rohan Bopana, who are some of the best male doubles players in the world at the time. And um, one of the guys who who was there didn't run for a ball. Mahesh stopped, looked at him and said, why did you not run for that? Uh, you know, go have lunch if you don't want to be here. So it wasn't necessarily that the drills and the things we were doing weren't necessarily different, but it was the standards that were created on the team, right? So I think setting the, the, the rules for engagement and how we are as a team and then actually uh, actually honoring that and, and, and just continuing to, to raise those standards. I think those are the really crucial things in terms of high performance, creating that high performance team, keeping people accountable, all those types of things that are, that are important to, to, to help the team excel. Yeah, I think that that's that's really important. If everyone cares the little details within a company, it shows as as a whole. Because if I walk past the hallway seeing a piece of trash on the on the ground, I don't feel I belong to it to pick it up. Then I shouldn't be really in that company. Because you know, of of a space that we share, you know, picking trash up, or if you see someone's that 
missing, you know, certain things, or if you see a door open that it shouldn't open, then you're not really paying attention to that. Then we became a zombie. Then you just walk pies, uh, doing your work. You know, that's where we mostly complain about, you know, people just do their bare minimum, like you said in the beginning of the show, and then they go home and then they do whatever that they do. They they don't feel a belonging, right, to to their work. You know, as a leader, you know, it's your job to think about how you can get people motivated really to what they do and then really care about the space. It, it shows at the end when you go to a restaurant, when you go to a, a hotel, when you go to a uh, an office space, you see that right away as a, you know, as an observer. Yeah, and, and so we had a program on on the Give Learn platform, which was um, it was all around high performance. Uh, Bernard, who was the who was who led the class, uh, he did a master. So he was he was a professional rugby player previously, and he did his masters around correlation between high performance business and sport. So he visited um, Toyota in Japan, uh, Deliveroo in the UK, Dyson in the UK. Um, and he went to uh, Williams Formula One. Now, for Formula One fans, Williams historically were a, an amazing team. And, and in the last couple of years, they haven't been as good. But when he was there, he said uh, he met someone in finance. This person's not near the car in terms of Formula One. But uh, he, he said the biggest thing that stood out for him was, he said, the finance guy said, every decision we make is based on will make the car go faster. So... They make decisions based on will it make the car go faster on the track. Uh, and that's something that stayed with me. And I think for small and medium-sized businesses, it's really hard, right? You're trying to do 50 million things. It can be more challenging than being in a big business. You know, obviously, there's perks and, there's and, and again, there's peaks and troughs. As a team, how can we uh, take that boat and, and, and make sure it's, it's going in the right direction and everyone is pulling in the right direction? And, and and checking in on that. Yeah, and using a, a sports analogy, I don't know if you agree with me. You know, th- what separates an amateur to a pro is, you know, they all know the same basics, but then a pro is doing the basics so much better. You know, it's, it's it, running a business as well. You all do accounting, you all do hiring, you all do sales, but then, you know, people who succeed are just way better in the basics than the other ones. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be way better, right? I mean, that's the other thing. It can be a little bit better or it can be, you know, putting, putting yourself in the, in the situation, putting yourself in the, in the, in the right place at the right time. Uh, it's like, what's the saying in sports that the harder I work, the luckier I get, you know, so like different things like that. But I also, I think that's evolved into saying, well, you know, you have to work smart, right? So it's not, it's not all about putting in. 50 million hours it's about actually working working smart to use another sporting analogy it's like a, a golfer who's who's on the tee and he's he's driving or she's driving the ball you know 200 yards but driving it into the river and then a coach comes along and says hey if you just move your your right hand half an inch this way and your left hand half an inch the other way and then they drive it again and they drive it completely straight down the fairway so it can be little small changes um, that can obviously have big results. Yeah, finding the right mentor or working with within the right program can really save you years, right? You know, kind of like your analogy, if you are working with someone that really can see what the problem is and then make recommendation, 
it would be a lot better to, and you know if you hit 200 balls into the river and you bankrupt <laughs> than to hire a coach maybe for you know certain period than to fix everything speaking of that uh James you know what is how can we learn more about lift learn and if listener want to get in touch with you what would be the best way thank you for that and and uh yeah so you can go to givelearn.net so that's www.givelearn.net um, there's a there's a questionnaire there which you can you can answer. Um, you can contact me via there. There's also um, some some classes there which you can you can look at as well in terms of our our sessions. Um, and I'd love to love to hear from you and would love to show you the the platform and what we're doing for small and, and medium sized businesses. I'll definitely include the the website on uh, the show notes. And James, you know, thank you so much for coming on today. I learned a lot. Thank you, Swire, for, for having me. Um, and if I could just say my, my email is uh, j.kluski at givelearn.net. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Swire. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends or colleagues who might benefit from the conversation. Any questions or feedback, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. Our show is live streamed both on YouTube and LinkedIn every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'll see you next time.